0: Welcome, it is I, it is JD, to another All Japan Women Destiny podcast. It's episode 37. And in this episode, we have a new 3WA women's champion, Bolnikano Nakano, wins the title, finally, on this very day. If you listen on the Red Leaf Retrocast proper, which this is an offshoot podcast of, uh, we are still in the midst of the Bol Nakano reign over on there. Uh, on a second watch-through, which is kind of uh, the purpose of all these, is to gain new perspective, uh, go over uh, certain things that I've learned uh, since the last time, and who knows, maybe I even have a different uh, opinion over the matches here. Uh, we are in January 4th, 1990, and the title has been vacant uh, ever since the Linus Asuka retirement match back in August of 1989 so it's quite a while and in between that time period uh, AJW all Japan women have gone through uh, a number of trials and tribulations between the uh, uh massive attendance downswing and shift that's slowly occurring that you can kind of see in real time as you go through these classic episodes and finding various, house shows and other, uh, other, other big, big shows in between basically, uh, that fall, winter, 1989 and, uh, all of 1990. It's pretty fascinating to watch, uh, just because the sheer star power that the crush gals in that era had. So naturally there's going to be a downswing and you can't totally fault Bonacano for it, but to an extent they are still drawing, uh, decent houses, uh, Good enough as I'm battling my cat here on the table get off there uh for for this show there at Corken Hall it's their Jan- it's their early January shows they generally run uh, January 4th and uh, various other dates at Corken Hall that they can do and they did a capacity 1500 allegedly uh, it was definitely a full house to see the crowning achievement of a new champion the new era ushers in. Uh, also on the show was Minami Toyota and Suzuka Minami uh, opening up. Uh, Mima Shimoda successfully defends the junior title against a atrocious Kaoru Ito. And then they just have a, a regular old tag match. Akira Hokuto teams with Hota defeating Mita and Yamada of all teams. And you're probably wondering, well, obviously the 3WA title is the draw here, the new champion. Uh, people seem to think so of the time. Very different eras. Uh, and I kind of wanted to give just a nice little uh, update over what kind of the title situation is around this time, because it's such a generational shift. Uh in November of 89 uh, was the All-Pacific Champion, uh, <laughs> uh, and then lost the White Belt, the All-Pacific title, to Norio Tateno, Uh, I assume by DQ, and the reason why I say assume is because you just can't find this title, you can't find this match. Uh, At least I haven't been able to find it. And uh, a big way, a big booking strategy of the time, and you saw it with uh, Dump Matsumoto and Tag Titles and various uh, other reigns, is to protect the big heel, they they would get DQ'd, and they'd lose the title that way. The IWA title, which was something uh, Chigusa Nagayo started when she went uh, on excursion to Canada. Uh, She feuded with uh, Medusa, Medusa Maselli. And when Chigusa retired, she vacated the title. And then in which Medusa uh, would uh, win the vacated title and uh, she would have a random match in 1991 in... Some indie promotion. I'm looking into this. It's like GLWA, Great Lakes Wrestling Association. I've never heard of it, but it took place in a high school in which uh, Medusa uh, went to a 15 minute draw with Rock and Robin, the then WWF women's champion. So, 15 minute draw. It was third from the top. And I got to go over this card because it's just wild. For those that don't know, Rock and Robin was part of that rock and 80s era of WW 80s and early 90s uh, WWF era. Uh, she is the brother of Sam Houston whom you would hear me talk about on the Starcade reviews over on the patreon patreon.com/redleaf for retrocast and she's the half brother of Jake the Snake Roberts. So wrestling royalty there. but uh, back to this GLWA card because this is just wild. So you had Medusa versus and Robin, 15-minute time limit draw, title versus title. Medusa Maselli's the IWA champion. In the semi-main, it's the USWA Unified World title. It is Jerry the King Lawler defeating Kamala by DQ in five minutes. And then in the main event, Stan Lane and the Trooper who is the trooper? He is the Patriot. Del Wilkes. <laughs> uh, with manager Jim Cornette defeats the destruction crew of Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom. God help me. <laughs> God. Oh, God. You want to talk about bingo halls? Not even. Oh, my God. Iron Mike Sharp against Rip Rogers in the in the opener. Oh, this looks terrible. So that's what Medusa was doing in between WCW and WWF time and not being an AJW. She's third from the top, probably having a decent match of the era <laughs> against Rock and Robin. And then the tag titles, uh, Mitsuki Ishiwaki and Yubika Fire Jets, uh, lost the titles on December 9th to Aja Kong and Grizzly Iwamoto uh, of... Uh, Gokaku, to- Gokum and To, uh, Bull Nakano's group, the-, the split hadn't happened yet, so Kong and Iwamoto are just ass kickers uh, with the tag titles right now. And it's uh, If this was a modern day match, in order to get 1500, you'd have to stack this Cork and Hall with like six, seven matches, all these titles on the line, and it kind of goes into why the... Uh, just the booking of the era was the titles were always seen as boxing titles. They would either change hands immediately on a first offense, or you'd go sometimes long, long periods of time without a defense and they'd lose it on the first try or they would just hold it forever. And it didn't really matter which title this would be a uh, very, it's a very fascinating thing when you start to kind of break it down and how they book, why they book, uh, what shows these titles would be on, uh, would they even be featured, and you can... I'm really learning and uh, not discovering, but really kind of attributing that to a lot of these Joshi promotions today that are run by these people from the era. Uh, Oz Academy is a great example of how they booked that, and you can hear a lot of those parallels over on the Joshi 2010s journey over on the Patreon, uh, Redley Pretrocast. So yeah, this was a Cork and Hall show of the ages. You will hear the original audio with the full show review with myself and Kay from the Big Egg Joshi Podcast. have been uh, with me for quite some time doing this thing. Uh, thank you, sir. And if you want to hear more Joshi reviews, then you can head on over to the Patreon. You can hear my LLPW reviews, another Joshi promotion from the 90s and uh, more or less through the 2000s, despite a, despite some financial troubles. And Kay does a very interesting JD Star retrospective of going over shows of, uh, of a very uh, influential promotion, even if they didn't know it at the time. So that's uh, JD Star and LLPW Reviews and the Joshi 2010s. That's kind of the crux of the, ma- the main draw of the Patreon, along with uh, various other things that I like doing. Statistics is kind of the, uh, the thing that um, has garnered a lot of interest. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I'll see you next time. Hey, it's time for the retro section of the podcast. Probably the stuff we're going to be talking about the most going forward here.
1: Yeah, not a whole lot's going to happen right now, the sort of middle month of January.
0: Yeah, so we just got done talking about all the modern stuff going on. Now it's time to hit the All Japan Women's Classics. I think besides just losing our minds to the Nitro stuff, this is my favorite part of every podcast episode.
1: All Japan Women's, of course, it's like the, some of the best stuff we get to see. Well, this episode a little less so than the others, but you know. Well,
0: since the back half of 88, uh, heading into all the retirements of 89, and he just gutted roster of All Japan Women, we, we're definitely at the next generational shift here in All Japan Women.
1: Alright, this feels like a very in-between getting there sort of show. So like, like maybe another one of those, I, I assume, because they're not going to figure things out right away.
0: Oh, no, no, no. I, ima- I imagine the entire year of 1990 is going to be pushing new stars, seeing who sticks, and whomever sticks and takes advantage of their push that's clearly going to be way earlier than anyone else we've seen uh, throughout the last decade.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's so weird because... Normally, they would have had this stuff already planned out, and the transition would have normally been pretty smooth, like it was with Misami, Dakota, to the Crush Gals and stuff like that. And this is just a, and they were so blinded by money they chose not to plan for the future. It seems. No, they've they've totally missed the boat, and this is this is the importance
0: of context instead of just dropping into something with uh, into a vacuum. You know, you can drop into an episode uh, or or pay-per-view of a wrestling show and in the vacuum it may seem, hey, this is pretty good. But then when you start getting the context of everything, start going, man, this is not as good as it's let on to be. So the what we're referencing here is we are now officially in 1990. It's episode 37 of The Classics. Uh, it's all part of this Google Drive that's been shared around the internet. It came from Puroso Dream. That's where I got it from. It's It aired on Samurai TV. This is from January 4th, 1990. And I wanted to take, before we go head into the show, I wanted to take a moment to kind of reminisce and look back on what we learned in the 1980s. Because, Kay, I mentioned this on the last couple podcast episodes that with heading into 1990 and i for for context i really want to do something special with a lot of these segments of all japan women with how much i've learned and dropped into cuz i don't know about you a lot of this when i started this over a year and a half ago i was brand new to all japan women i've seen you know i you know i've heard of the crush gals i know of the jumping bomb angels i know a lot of names of the most famous ones, especially from the early 90s. I've seen a match or two. You know, the big five-star matches, if you will. You know, the the Manami Toyotas. Definitely seen them. A lot of the ones that are still kind of kicking around today. I go back and listen to those past episodes, and I'm, like, messing up names because it's all brand new. I'm calling, like, Gokaku Dome Gokumanto because I just read something wrong. I did fix it, like, two episodes later. <laughs> um... I've heard of Jaguar Yakota, didn't realize how important she was. It's all the learning experience. I really want to do something special with those episodes. And what's shocking to me is like not knowing who Dump Matsumoto is, not really knowing who Devil Masami was and how important they were to the eighties in setting just just the the star power and influence of the wrestlers that came after them. It's it's just been so satisfying to learn about all this
1: right well as someone as myself somebody who sort of has dipped more of just a toe than a toe into the ajw more so the 90s than the 80s actually um watching this happen in real time as we watch it from like episode to episode and see things progress has been a very interesting learning experience for myself thing where some of these wrestlers started from the beginning because i mean Outside of Monami Toyota, I didn't watch any of old Aja Kong stuff outside of her stuff with Bull and stuff that she would do later. So, and same with Bull Nakano herself. Like, I didn't watch the rise of Bull, I watched the peak of Bull. So, it's very very much also a learning experience for myself. And I also find that maybe there's some things that I thought were one way that weren't that way. And I've learned some of that too. So, you know, I'm also learning. Even somebody as experienced as me is also learning.
0: Yeah, we're all learning on this journey because a lot of this just isn't documented. Uh, let's be fair. Let's be honest here. This is not podcasts that cover all Japan women, <laughs> especially from the '80s. <laughs> well, there,
1: there is one, but they, you know, they don't do it as in depth, I guess, from what I've heard.
0: Oh, are you referring to uh, Victory Through Guts? Uh, yeah. Well, they do '90s. They didn't do the '80s.
1: They oh, started. Oh, they so... started in
0: January 4th, 1990, and I do recommend that podcast if you want to listen to fans uh, that clearly have a, an interest and passion for what they're watching.
1: I do recommend Right, right. But, I, but I like to think that we're a, a little more in-depth <laughs> in terms of what we're discussing, as opposed to just discussing the match laid out in front of us.
0: So with everything we've learned, and seeing everything in context, uh, I do want to say Dump Matsumoto, Devil Masami, and Norio Tateno, I think those three are my favorite three. I've enjoyed watching from the eighties. How about yourself? Any anybody that sticks out to you? I mean, Chagusa Nagai was the biggest star. <laughs> right, man, it's not even
1: close. I thought, <laughs> yeah, Chagusa definitely goes without saying. Um I think I didn't really start attaching myself to anybody until like the back half of this, which is uh, Bison and Grizzly. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny how um I was sort of just going with the bigger names throughout it, like Linus Asuka's Chagusas and stuff like that, Aja Bowl, um as they were coming up, but it took a... Grizzly Iwamoto stole my heart. Then <laughs> so did Bison Kamura. So, those are probably the two that stand out to me. And it's unfortunate that there's not a whole lot of Grizzly I could watch. It makes me sad.
0: Oh, we'll get into what happens with Grizzly Iwamoto.
1: <laughs> oh, boy, what will <laughs> Kumiko
0: wait. Iwamoto prior was her name. So, just to fill in some more context here, context here, and where we're at, uh, there's been a number of people that have had a chance to be showcased and pushed, but seemingly the they they put the brakes on. Realized maybe they're not the right ones to take that next step. Couple couple that come to mind is uh, who we're gonna see in the main event of this classic, and that's Mitsuku Nishiwaki. Her fellow fire jet tag partner Yumiko Hota, whom when you put her body of work like together. She's made a lot of Japan Grand Prix finals and lost. She's ha- she was in a prominent tag team that was that seemed to be set on being the next big tag team of all Japan women, but then they're split up, but they're still together. They're clearly, like, Yumiko Hoto was the first one to kind of break off and see if she'd work out as a single star. Clearly didn't work out, because now Nishiwaki has taken over. Norio, Norio Tateno stuck out to me because it looked like she had a sort of push. And she's still sort of pushed as a commodity, but she's really just the name value being part of the Bumpy, Jumping Bomb Angels. And now we're left with Bolnakano, whom is the only one at the top. There's been a lot of misses. Suzuka Minami's another one that's come to mind. It looked like before her neck broke, Hisako Uno, uh, later known as Akira Hokuto, whom she's known as now at this point in time. She's a she is Akira Hokuto at this point, but she broke her neck and then hasn't been the same since. She's still in a tag team focus, uh, but she hasn't looked good in in uh, nineteen. She didn't look good in nineteen eighty nine. She's certainly on this show, not up to the standard I think that a single star is made out of. This is very interesting to see in context. Like, who is actually going to rise up in research and, and context and you know, all the five-star matches and all that? We, we know who who rises up. But in the viewpoint of what we're seeing now and in the future, we don't know. It's Bull Nakano, and that's it.
1: Yeah, Bull was the only one that had any build. Like, her and Jigusa had stuff going on. Uh, her and double Masami, obviously she was with Devil Masami, or not double Masami, I uh, Matsumoto. Uh, they, so they had some small builds of her, but it seemed like they didn't build her as much as, or as quickly as they normally did. They kind of like stopped halfway through. And now they're starting to back up and it's just very weird. Um, as for, you, know, like you mentioned names like Akira Hokuto and Yumikahota, and it's funny when you look at their overall bodywork going forward and, uh, Hokuto doesn't get it together till a bit later, and Hota much, much later, which is interesting when you look at things now, what we're watching now, and where they are both, and how things progress.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to pull up uh, my daily motion page that I made, Redleaf Retrocast, where you can find a lot of these classic episodes, classic matches uh, that we do talk about. I do put kind of the most historical ones. I am currently trying to get uh, a lot of the Grand fi- uh, Japanese Grand Prix Finals up there, and the Tag League the Best Finals. I'm trying to get those up. And I have put up... Uh, there are a lot of matches, unfortunately, that are lost to time. Kind of suck.
1: Yeah, we're talking about VHS-era stuff, so, you know... Right.
0: So they couldn't so, even be kept,
1: even if it was recorded.
0: Correct. So there was a... Norio Tateno-Aja Kong match, which we will cover... On the classics, but it wasn't on the classics. I had to I, I had to uh, pull some tape trading to get this short match. And that's a, that's an important passing of the torch kind of moment. Which, I bring this up because up to this point, Bull Nakano beat No Stars. She didn't beat Chigusa Nagayo. She didn't beat Asuka. Did she come out looking badass? Sure. But I'll compare her to Dump Matsumoto. Her senpai, if you will. The senpai of death. Bolda is clearly the next heel. She is the next heel. She is the heel of All Japan Women right now. Dump Matsumoto beat Chigusa Nagayo. She pinned all the baby faces in All Japan Women, which gave her heel credibility and superstar power. Did Dump Matsumoto ever win the big red belt, the All Pacific title? No, but she didn't need to because she had beaten them prior and she had that credibility. If I'm looking at the way the crowd reacts on this show to all these people and the just lack of engagement, it is very clear that All Japan Women has missed the boat on creating new stars in really going through with pushing people to that next level, or at least giving them... More than just a match chance. That's what I feel like we're, 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 we're about to go over here on this show in particular.
1: Right, especially when it comes to Bull, because the match we're going to cover, she does a lot of really things you would expect that Dump would actually would have gotten a gasp out of the crowd or something for doing, and I just kind of didn't really react.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're going to mark weird. out to a couple things on this show, absolutely. We do We did right. love a couple things that happened on the show, but the crowd reaction is very apparent that All Japan Women is in trouble. When, right, uh, Kay. You've done a lot of research on this, with the loss of ticket sales, the loss of a female audience, the loss of of drawing houses outside of even a bigger show, dude. This is the vacant three W A title, or as I would say in the past, the W W W A title. <laughs> W W W A. <laughs> not incorrect, but that's not what people say.
1: <laughs> Just call it the red belt because it's exactly what it is the original red belt. Right.
0: You would expect a hot crowd for this. This is the vacant title. We didn't
1: get that on this show. No, it's even worse because I think the belt had been vacant for so long. I think the fans even forgot that there was no champion. It seemed like. Right. So bolnicano
0: had had uh, previously lost the All Pacific title to Norio Toteno. Before the end of the year, Mitsuki Nishiwaki has just won the, Jap- the uh, Japan Grand Prix in the pa- in the in the summer, knocking Bull Nakano out. So the main event is Bull Nakano versus Mitsuki Nishiwaki for the three W A title that is vacant from the Lioness Asuka retirement.
1: No one beat her to take the title. Uh, it's so stupid that they didn't. Just, and the Chigusa had the same thing. She had like the, the uh, white belt too, and she and they both had the tag belts, and both got vacated. Correct.
0: Tag titles got vacated. The white belt got vacated. Bonacano, uh got the white belt, and I believe, I believe the mm, did the Fire Jets win the tag? T-
1: I don't remember. I don't think it even matters at this point because the tag belts went from being an important, probably one of the most important belts in the company to. It's not mattering, and we'll probably see that more later on how little those belts are gonna start mattering when they stop having big name tag teams all the time outside of like maybe one or two here and there just weird also want to point point this out uh am having Jagusa and Oscar go out so strong on top is going to bite them in the ass, especially with Jagusa real hard later
0: yeah you 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 always it always harp, harkens back to Go out on your back. You know, push push, or put over the next generation. For all intents and purposes, All Japan has no reason to not beat them on their way out. These people are retired. They don't... Like, there's no competition right now.
1: Zero. All right, they're not going to make any more money for you. They're no longer making money for you now because they're going to retire. Put somebody new over and they just... They're so blinded by the cash flow that they would squander. Not too long after this, that it's it's baffling that they made these decisions. Really,
0: let's get into the show. Uh, don't know where it took place. Just says AJW at Japan, <laughs> January fourth, nineteen
1: ninety. Japan. I thought it was at Europe.
0: Yeah, right. You know. All Japan Women Junior Heavyweight Title. This is your essentially future belt for the stardom fans out there. Mima Shimoda, the champion, versus Kauro Ito. Okay, this Ooh. match
1: was garbage. This match was awful. Like, it's even funnier in hindsight when you know where both of these careers go and who's still wrestling and who's retired. Is she really retired, though? Shimoda? Uh, I guess. I don't really think she shows up anymore. Karu Ito sure as hell is it? Just go watch a Diana show for that one. Oh, it's depressing. She can barely move. I mean, she wasn't exactly the most mobile later in her career either, yeah. but, you know.
0: So, it's Mima bad. Shimoda, for all intents purposes, looks like she's just not in the mood with this green-as-grass awful wrestler known as Karu Ito. I... Look, we, we have... We, y- y- Usually the AJW matches, were like, okay, they're rookies, basically. Take them with a grain of salt. It's just going to be drop kicks, scoop slam, shoot pin. We're done here in like two minutes. Dude. This is when it began for me of watching how Joshi wrestlers, especially in their early stages, take drop kicks. This is so funny. How bad Kaworu Ito just takes a Shimoda drop kick, or even gives Shimoda a drop kick. She's like two feet off. Her steps are 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 staggered. When she takes a drop kick, she either falls diagonally, gets hit, and and it's like a three second delay of falling down, so she doesn't hit her head on the ropes. What a mess! It is
1: comically terrible. <laughs> It's even funnier as we just saw a few other rookies come up. Uh, Shimoda being one of them and Minami Toyota being the other. Sort of big sort of rookie that came can't burst into them. Those two are two different wrestlers. Like I wouldn't even put this on Shimoda. This is all on Ito and Ito is not a good rookie. Does Boy, Ito she is...
0: actually ever get any good?
1: No. She gets <laughs> decent at best. Like I would I would argue she becomes a decent mid-carder. Uh but she is I don't know how long it takes her to get there, but oh yeah. my god. This is the first time I've looked at an AJW rookie. And I'm like, oh, you suck. You should have been in the dojo for at least another year. I think so. I'm of,
0: I'm of that same mind. So yeah, uh, Shimoda wins. She has like zero celebration. She's like, I know that was terrible. I'm so sorry. And she leaves.
1: <laughs> yeah, Shimoda seemed like embarrassed by the match as a whole. And I feel sorry for her because, well, where she goes, you know. Ito wishes she went. <laughs>
0: right. Our next match is Manami Toyota, perhaps you've heard of her, versus Suzuka Manami, or Manami Suzuka, however way you feel like pronouncing It's like Sukushi Haruka and Haruka Sukushi these days. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I've heard of both ways so many times, I don't even know anymore.
1: <laughs> I, I just, just go with it, it's whatever.
0: <laughs> so, tough to tell here who the crowd was actually behind in this match. Nonetheless... Docky! Both have the name Manami, so you have the chance the yeah. Manami, you don't know which ones. Yeah, well, are. there's Manami and Minami, and it's like, I can't really tell, but we hear Minami chants.
1: <laughs> so I have a thought. I have a thought. Okay. I would bet it's Minami Toyota because the tag team, the Tokyo Sweethearts, was very over to an extent. That's why they paired them together and pushed them as an entity until it stopped working. Well, that was Shimoda
0: and Toyota, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and... uh. I believe I said they look like the Jumping Bomb Angels, or at least that's what they were... That
1: is by that is by design. By design, yeah.
0: Okay. Nonetheless, there was a cheering section for somebody. This match was boring. Manami kept... Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Suzuka Manami, <laughs> I should be very specific in this case, kept the entire thing grounded with leg holds that led to nothing but staying on the mat. I hate matches like this. It's it reminds so me dull. of one of those
1: No Japan matches that we watch sometimes. It's like, yeah,
0: it's like watching an old Ricky Choshu match and he's just sitting in front of him. He's got his leg locked and they're just looking around at the crowd and the crowd's just dead. That's kind of what we got here. Yeah. Manami Toyota did hit a couple exciting moves to her credit. She did that uh, really crazy leap to the top rope in the middle of the ring and then she springs off it for crossbody. That got sort of a pop from the crowd. You could kind of tell they were so like half asleep, and then when that happened, they're like, whoa, wait a minute.
1: <laughs> Something happened? Who knew? Manami Toyota is actually an exciting wrestler to watch. It's wondering why she, she got so over and got so big.
0: Yeah. Manami Toyota wins off a roll up and Suzuka Manami is frustrated, clearly wants another match. That's what I took away from this. Is this uh... a push from Manami Toyota to get her first I guess, big singles victory over a mid-carter?
1: Uh, I would go with yes. I believe at this point, there was a very clear, even within the, the Tokyo Sweethearts, there was very much a clear, like, oh, one of these is more over than the other. At this current sort of, time. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I believe it's much like... um. I don't want to say Crush girls because both were over, Chigusa just happened to be a little bit more over. Um, maybe the Bomb Angels? But I don't know which one of those was more over from the start. I want to say Tateno was always kind of the most over one, and that's why they kind of were more high on putting her front and center. Not correct. Uh, Oh, not correct.
0: Yeah, uh, just like how I kind of went on that Tateno rant before, Yamazaki at the beginning was way more over as the Jumpy Bomb Angel because she was much faster and more exciting, and she usually started off matches. Tateno took over kind of after they came back from America and that's when, you know, she grew her hair out. They had the big gear change. Uh, that's when they actually almost started beating the Crush
1: Gals. <laughs> almost? That's the keyword yeah. there? Can't beat the money maker? No, you can't
0: beat them. No, that's not allowed. Crush Gals crush everybody.
1: <laughs> no, no. The, the right. in the name, I guess. Well, the thing with the Tokyo Sweethearts is it's very interesting because as a team, they were put together because they had one really exciting debut match. Like to the point where I believe it got some heat backstage with the veterans because they were the opening match and the crowd was really hot for them. And the vets were trying to figure out how they were going to, the vets were trying to figure out how they were going to follow up on that. I I believe the match after that was, was where the heat was because they couldn't follow it up. Um, the problem is that Tokyo sweethearts never actually reached that height again as a team. Um, they were decent, but the chemistry was clearly off at times. It's, it's kind of funny how Minami Toyota and her arch rival, uh, Toshio Yamada had a better, better chemistry.
0: So the next match is Akira Hokuto teaming with Yumiko Hota. Seemingly rivals now teamed up, mostly because Suzuka Minami and Nishiwaki are in singles matches on this show. They're taking on the team of Dream Orca, Etsuko Mita, and Toshio Yamada. Boy, Hota was a mess in this match.
1: Oh yeah, she was. Ooh.
0: she was missing elbow drops or two. Uh, quite or a few three. other things. Yeah, she was missing kicks. Uh, she looked like she was looking like she was shoot kicking her opponents out of some kind of frustration at times. So I, think I she thought about was. this. I thought about this. We're about to get into an era, and they've kind of touched on this before with the shoot fighting elements. Uh, within AJW. Is this some sort of story going on between Hota and Yamada with their whole kickboxing kind of shoot background kind of thing? Because there was a lot of shit talking going on specifically between those two and interruptions between those two uh, in their moves.
1: I would be shocked, this is sort of how they build some storylines anyway, so it kind of goes with the the sort of motif that they normally go with to build these up. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is at least from Hota, it looked a little more shooty than it did working an angle at times. And that's where I sort of wonder if maybe she took it a little too far and that was kind of it.
0: Yeah, and the reason why I'm kind of hesitant to believe it's a story element is I don't believe Hota and Yamada, and I tried researching it, I don't think it goes anywhere. we never yeah, seen don't think a major singles match between the two. Uh, there's no long-standing rivalry that we see between um, Hota and Yamada.
1: Not, oh, that, I, not that, that I was able to find Toyota. Maybe, Yamada's maybe, rival is always Toyota
0: right so maybe maybe there's a house show kind of circuit that happened that is just
1: lost to tape it lost tapes I should say oh uh, the the weird thing here is with Hota is we would we would go on later to find that she's quite the uh, individual that likes to do a lot of really crappy things in the ring when she gets frustrated um, That is a thing with her. I wouldn't say she always shoots on people, but she does tend to let her frustrations come out in matches at times, that, that hmm. she does have a record for that. Is that your so own, own speculation,
0: or is this through actual records and documents?
1: A mixture of both. I mean, it's obviously the Joshi scene, so not everything gets out. But if you look at some of her matches, there's a clear line between working and her getting frustrated and taking it out a little bit. I don't yeah, think it's... she ever goes so far as to hurt people like, Very bad. Very unfortunate. She does get a little little stiffer than she ought to at times. It's very unfortunate that we're as
0: much... We have to kind of put pieces together ourselves with so much that is lost because, man, when you talk about kind of the uh, the melters of the world, the Fumis, they're kind of the only people that are involved in keeping up this history and, and backstage and just trying to put... Their resources together for historical purposes,
1: and- Right, and even the both of them uh, don't have everything because things, especially back then, were so keep it kayfabe, right. keep it back in the keep it in the back. That's why stuff like the the Gaia Girls documentary was such a huge deal. Gacha Goose is so much like heat in the public eye over in Japan, believe it or not. Yeah, so we're kind of. Uh... I mean, we're,
0: we're we're we we talk about a lot of it in the Joshi 2010s on the Patreon. Luckily, that's more recent. It's not from 35 years, 35 plus years
1: ago. <laughs> we can, I, but it's just hard to find information on that because it's not so widely covered.
0: So one thing I'm more excited to to uh, find out is what did these journalists uh, like Meltzer. Actually, able to dig up because as the 90s go on, he gets more information because 90s All Japan gets some buzz in the wrestling world with a lot of their exciting matches, exciting wrestlers, etc. So uh, perhaps we'll find out more about Hota. Uh, Perhaps not because she wasn't as big a star, but that's going to be interesting. A lot of it's speculation on our parts with what we're seeing and trying to interpret and just the limited reading that's available. So, on I, to the match. Well,
1: a lot of bias speculation on Hota, I'm sorry, uh comes a lot from hindsight stuff. So stuff that we know now or things I've talked about now in retrospect. So Right, the whole uh, who actress-girls fallout and yeah. Yeah, a lot of that's a lot of hearsay. Or people in attendance, Japanese fans in attendance reporting on things and I mean, who knows how accurate that is, but you know.
0: Yeah, it's 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 up to yourself to to okay, I tend to believe this more, maybe that less. Kind of I mean, it's really all up to you. So uh, let's see. Back to the match. Lots of heat on Mita for the first half. We're Yamada hot tag. Then it's uh, Yamada doing holds on Hota. Didn't last too long, though. Hota's selling of a sleeper hold here was absolutely hysterical. Arms flailing. Hits the ropes. Does a wacky, comical stagger run. Arms flailing again. She gets caught. And then <laughs> Hota slips to the f- mat and falls on her back. Very funny. I had to watch this at least three times. <laughs>
1: And it's like something out of a Betty Hill's cartoon.
0: <laughs> oh, I can hear the music now with, with uh, all this visually going on. Absolutely funny. The match goes 50-50 from there. Match finishes with a crossbody blunder by Yamada. Hits her own part- partner, Mita. You know, this spelled, spelled the end for the dream orca pair. Hoda hits a top rope elbow strike as um, Hokuto kind of throws her off the ropes. Tags in Hokuto, who's on the top rope. Finisher finishers are off with a front drop kick. Your winners, Hota and Hokuto, Team Double H.
1: <laughs> double H, not Triple H. No, I would fu- I
0: wouldn't dare call him that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny that you mentioned the splitting of Dream Orca because Yamada goes on to be more of a singles wrestler and teams with Toyota later. Mita goes with uh, the former partner of Toyota, uh, Mishimoto, and becomes uh, a bigger tag team.
0: LCO. Yes. Yeah,
1: Uh, it's got its it's very unpronounceable Spanish names, like La Cacaroches Orientals or something like that.
0: La Cacaroches Orientals.
1: I'm pretty sure I'm butchering the hell out of that. I just call them LCL like everyone else.
0: Yeah, I I think when I'm done with my Starcade one, I'm going to do some LLPW stuff. That sounds like a lot of fun to get into.
1: Oh yeah, well, especially because we might get into some of that here in the, the classics. Llpw is an interesting one.
0: Yeah, I think I think for the purpose of this podcast and the and the free stuff, it's probably more important to stick to Gaia when that comes around, and then uh, a lot of the smaller stuff we'll uh, we'll put that on the Patreon because that will that will require a little bit more research and tape trading that kind of thing.
1: Right, I'm thinking about uh, if we're not gonna cover JWP as much, I'm thinking about doing that with the '90s JWP stuff because that stuff fascinates me a lot. Yeah. On to the main event:
0: three W A W W W A <laughs> singles title tournament red final,
1: belt.
0: red belt championship vacant. <laughs> Nakano versus Mitsugu Nishiwaki. Hope you got a laugh out of that, K. At least
1: I did. I did. <laughs> Make it quite the champion here. Hold the belt for a while. I've just enjoyed
0: uh, listening, going back and listening to myself kind of get so much wrong and learn along the way. I'm laughing at myself in hindsight. It's very funny. I enjoy it.
1: It's a lovely experience, but it's it's, it's very funny. The W-W-W-A. So here we have evolved to
0: Biker Bull Nakano with her studded war final bull on the back of the leather jacket. All kind of that quartz diamond stud situation.
1: Nakano, as I've dubbed her. Biker Kano biker Kano yeah. bad bitch kano well i've been I've been trying <laughs> to one. yeah
0: I've been trying to find a lot of those Japanese Grand Prix and Tag league the best finals and uh there's uh the eighty five final that that is on the classics that we did cover here uh Bull Nakano and dump Matsumoto are in eighties biker gear so this is the 90s upgrade
1: ah well how about war Kano
0: no no she she needs to get that's like camo paint i would I would
1: say Ah, You're right, you're right. Biker Kano fits. Biker Kano.
0: Biker Kano. 90s Biker Kano. Because she's done 80s. 90s before. Biker.
1: Badass Biker Kano. So, this is where the
0: the the famous gif of Bull Nakano you can find where she uh, she does the whole heel monster ripper dump Matsumoto thing where she grabs all the flowers of the, from the people in the ring, just throws them to the side. Give me your fucking flowers. This is a war I'm about to go into here. It's
1: funny as the girls holding the flowers try not to laugh as she does it.
0: Yeah. So this is Bull Nishiwaki feud at least 18 months in the making to this point. They've beaten each other in tag matches. Uh, Bull beat her for the vacant All-Pacific title. Then Nishiwaki beat her in the Japan Grand Prix. So one and one in the last year, basically. Nishiwaki has spent uh, the last 12 months being built up as the major next challenger for all Japan women. My interpretation from... And and uh, trajectory, that kind of thing.
1: Safe to say? Yeah, it's safe to say. They're definitely trying to push her. It doesn't work, obviously, but they're definitely trying. Bull well, Nakano recently lost
0: the All-Pacific title to Noriel back in November. Lost the tape, sorry to say. So Nishiwaki rushed the ring, attacks Bull. She goes for a crossbody, but Bull drops the ropes, and she flies to the outside. A hot start to this match. The nurses and doctors all tend to Nishiwaki, that foolish, foolish woman she is, doing the Tateno crossbody crash and burn spot. <laughs> and uh, so Nishiwaki gets back into the ring to start the match, but she's busted open, Dusty Rhodes style. She's she's done, done the bleed job.
1: <laughs> done the bleed job.
0: Yes, you heard me. <laughs> I heard you, yeah. From there, this match isn't good. It's Bull beating the shit out of her, and Nishiwaki later resorts to childish kind of runaway tactics to make both frustrated. Okay, I did not like this match. I really can't decide. I may have mentioned this on the podcast before. I can't decide if Nishiwaki is actually bad. I don't think she's bad, but she's definitely not good. Let's say she's average, pushed above her means. As we discussed, Um, (laughs) all Japan women have to push somebody.
1: Right, right. And I feel like at this point you can start seeing their assessment of talent being a little off more than it normally was. Um I think this match was bad period. Like you had said. Like it it was a cool showcase for badass bull, but when the crowd's not reacting, you're not really not really doing anything. It's not it kinda of fails in its objective to make Bull come off as this monster gasp crowd hide the children sort of deal. Um I just and I think the blood had a lot to do with it. You could tell that Nishiwaki couldn't see, and so she was messing a lot of things up. And there were several times where she would do a move and she would miss. She'd oh, be yeah. a little off. And I think it's because she couldn't. She bladed herself so good that she couldn't see half the match.
0: Well, Bull Nakano uh, was not short on biting and attacking the wound, making her bleed even more. The problem with this, besides a short half-crab sequence by Nishiwaki, this was just way one-sided as Bull bleeds this chick dry, right? Uh, there's a right. spot where Bull is hang-choking her off the apron and then drops her to the floor. Then she smiles, kind of chuckles a little bit, and she sucks the blood off her pinky finger. And I thought to myself, yeah, Bull's winning this title.
1: As she should. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, she should definitely... You know, thinking back on this and the discussion we just had, I wonder if this is the build up to this match they realized Nishiwaki's not going to cut it. Uh so let's make this a showcase for Bull and Kano. Yeah, could be. And that's what we're seeing this, the way that that's why the match was booked the way it was. Like, well, we're putting the belt on Bull, so let's just make her come off as a monster and well screw Nishiwaki, she didn't make it.
0: It's very possible. I wouldn't put it I wouldn't put it past that mindset. After some tending to, the match kind of goes 50-50 for some arm work. Both doing some power moves. Sure never feels like it, though. <laughs> Bull wins off a shoulder-driving powerbomb. None of Nishiwaki's near falls got even a gasp from the crowd. Nobody bought it.
1: Oh, not even the blood spot where she was licking the blood. Like Wouldn't Dump, if Dump did that, to get a gasp from the crowd? Oh, yeah. Absolutely would have. Bull got nothing. She got nothing. They're just like, eh, whatever. Yeah, uh, we've seen this before. Yeah.
0: New world champ, really the only person that could have been at this stage of the game. And I feel like I should play the Bull Nakano drop because she is now the new champion. So here I go. I do want to mention that there was no interference in this match.
1: No grizzly. No. No Bison, no Kong. Nobody. Oh, kind of, well, they were ringside. They were ringside. Yeah. They just didn't do anything. I guess because it was so one-sided, they didn't need to do anything. Yeah, right?
0: It's like, yeah, we don't need to help this bit.
1: <laughs> she, she's already murdered We don't need to murder her more. Otherwise, we'll get murdered because Bull wants to murder. Yeah. So I thought as a show as a whole, it was very disappointing.
0: Not, not great wrestling going on. Nobody seems to be uh, coming out as a star uh, except Bull Nakano, but she should be way bigger than where she is at this point in time.
1: Right. And so, an interesting note after coming out of this, I'd imagine, is if you look at the crowd, we see some women, but we'll see a lot less of them going forward because like, there, there's obvious people they're cheering for, like the Hokutos, the people that kind of look like the Crush Gals in a way. Even Hota, I think, got a little bit of a reaction because of her luck, not because of her skill. You can tell the women are trying to attach themselves to somebody. Right, and it's just a shame that the two people it seemed to attach themselves to sucked and weren't good <laughs> and didn't get pushed until much later. It's very really interesting, and I think another misconception is that AJW, because the wrestling was so good in the 90s, was selling out on their own. There's a lot of help they need from a lot of the other companies to have super cards to do some of those shows, Big right. Egg being the the biggest example of that. can't do Big Egg on just AJW alone. They weren't big enough or popular enough.